0: Welcome in to the Friday edition of OutKick. I hope all of you are having a fantastic early start to your Memorial Day weekends. I want to thank everybody who's subscribed on YouTube. also encourage you to go subscribe uh, to the podcast, millions of you listening every single month, as well as the YouTube audience, which is growing massively. Um, and certainly Twitter, Facebook, whatnot. So I hope all of you have a fantastic Memorial Day weekend. As soon as I finish here, I'm going downstairs grabbing my boys, and we are headed out to go watch Top Gun Maverick uh, to start our Memorial Day weekend off in style. But before we get there, um, I feel like we need to discuss what I would characterize as a fairly blockbuster Press conference that happened right as we began the Clay and Buck show at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. on the West Coast, uh, involving Stephen McCraw, Texas Department of Public Safety director, and the details that he shared there um, and the impact of all of those. So, uh, the biggest takeaway is that the police are now acknowledging that they failed when they did not breach the door in time. And I'm going to talk about this with the most recent timeline. Um, It sounds like a calamity of errors uh, in general led to these kids being undefended in this classroom. But this is all notes that I took. So for people out there who sometimes wonder, hey, uh, what do you have on your notepad? I don't know that you can see all the details there, but I have written down on my notepad timeline Uh, I was listening live as we were doing the Clay and Buck radio show, just like you guys were. Uh, According to the spokesperson, at 11.27, the door was propped open to a school for a teacher to be able to go out to her car. 11.27 a.m. Central Time. Uh, At 11.28, a crash scene occurred. The car was crashed. Uh, by this murderer uh, and he opened fire on two men near a funeral home. At 11.30, a teacher called 911 and at 11.33, this killer entered the school through the door that had been propped open by the teacher. So this is just an unbelievable and unfortunate timeline here that a teacher props open a door at 1127 nearly identical to the time that this kid happens to crash the car this killer uh and then opens fire on two men why that door wasn't then shut uh why things occurred as they did I have a lot of questions about this I'd like to know more uh but the door was unlocked because it had been propped open. Now, again, I'll get into the details on this a bit more, but this is a massive part of this story uh, because if the door is shut, then it is locked from the outside. And a lot of people are confused by this idea, but the doors are not locked on the inside. They are locked on, uh, on the outside. So, if this teacher doesn't decide to prop the door open and leave when she does, then when this killer walks up to the school attempting to enter, the door would have been locked. People can say, well, that doesn't matter very much, but I think it matters a great deal here because if the door had been locked, then this killer would have had to pull out his gun and start firing at the door, theoretically, Uh, to uh, to be able to enter. Now, we don't know what the door even looks like. I haven't seen a close-up shot of this door. It's also possible that he might not have even fit through the door, right? He might have had difficulty getting into the door. This matters, right? The door not being locked was one of the reasons why these kids are dead. Now, kids are dead because of this murder, right? I want to make that clear as I'm discussing this timeline and all these details, but I do think it's important, to go over all these details and find out what was done wrong. Just like when a plane crashes, you go back over the black box and you look at all the details there and figure out what happened, okay? So, I'm just trying to lay out the details of what happened here. So, uh, doors propped open by a teacher at 11.27 a.m. Central. 11.28, the killer crashes his car near uh, this school at 11.30, 11.30, a teacher calls 9-1-1. What I still have not heard, and I'm trying to share as many facts as I have, I'm not claiming that I've got every single detail uh, locked down right now, right now, right? But what I want to know is, teacher calls nine one 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 at 11.30, why was every school teacher not told to lock down their classrooms as this guy has begun to shoot outside? He's shooting outside, for five minutes, okay? Because he doesn't enter the school until 11.33. So there are shots being fired outside. There is a teacher that calls 911 at 11.30. Why did they not get on the PA system and say the entire school is locked down, lock every classroom door right now? We know that these locks were pretty heavy duty because it was difficult to get through them, okay? So the... Killer enters the school, walks down the hallway, ends up in room 111 and 112. They're kind of joined classrooms there. And then proceeds to fire more than 100 rounds inside of that school when he walks in. This is staggering, awful to even think about. By 11.35... Two police, three police officers, according to this report today, have entered the school and they have begun to exchange fire with the gunman. Two minutes after he enters, they are exchanging fire with the gunman. He then, the gunman, somehow locks the door to that, uh, to that classroom, locking himself inside with all of these kids more police officers arrive. Seven, in fact, are on the scene by just after 11.35. They don't breach the door to that classroom until 12.50. That means for 75 minutes, these police officers did nothing to to go after this murderous killer. They allowed him to stay inside of that classroom. It's not all. According to that same press conference, 12.03, a 911 call arrives from inside of room 112. 12.10, same person, according to the report, calls back says there are multiple dead inside of the classroom 1213 and 1216 calls continue to come in students at least 8 to 9 of them are still alive they are told inside of these classrooms 1219 call comes in from room 111 1221 three shots are fired Inside of the classroom. 1236, 911 call from kids inside of the classrooms. 1243, 1247, one of the kids says on the call, please send the police now. At 1250, They finally go in to the classroom. 75 minutes. Police officers responding on the scene allowed this killer to be inside these classrooms with kids and teachers. 75 chilling minutes. One hour and 15 minutes long. Almost as long as as a movie, would take to watch. I want you to think about what that would have been like for those kids. I want you to think about what that would have been like for those teachers. Where were the police? We took calls on Clay and Buck all three hours today from law enforcement. They said the number one rule in the wake of Columbine is... You go balls to the wall after the shooter, you don't stop. Unless the shooter kills you, you keep going. That's what you signed up for. That's your job. Something went horribly wrong inside of this school when it came to these police officers. Guys, they were inside this school two minutes after the shooter. They exchanged gunshots with him. They evidently had minor injuries in that gun battle. How in the world did they not go after him full bore? Why did they fall back? Why are there reports that they waited for a SWAT team to arrive with the Border Patrol, the Bortec team, says they arrived at 12.15 they weren't even allowed to breach the door until 1250 and kill this killer. How does this happen? Okay. There's going to be a lot of discussion about all the details surrounding this. And you can have a variety of different opinions about larger discussions here, right? Gun laws, uh, age of purchase that should be required, uh, amount of ammunition that can be purchased, because there are a lot of rounds of ammunition here mental health checks, all of those things are very valid discussions. But what I want to focus on are what the facts are that we now know here. The door was left open to the school by a teacher. The gunman walked in. The classroom doors were not locked. Police were inside of this school within two minutes exchanging gunfire with him. And then they inexplicably fell back and allowed him to be inside of that classroom for 75 minutes with those kids and with those uh, teachers. When these 9-11 calls come out, I hope everyone who made them is still alive. They're going to be haunting. They're going to be terrifying. What in the world were the police doing? Now, some people get upset. Say, Clay, how why would you say anything negative about a police officer? Guess what? People screw up at their jobs no matter what that job is. I don't universally praise any profession because professions are made up of humans and humans are innately imperfect. But when you are a police officer, I would think the number one reason why you sign up to be a police officer is for this moment. For there to be an unquestioned bad guy trying to kill unquestioned little angel elementary school children. How do you not go balls to the wall after a shooter How do you not draw his attention to you? Maybe you die. Yes, we're all going to die. But when you sign up to be a police officer, this should be the situation that you are hoping you will be able to one day prevent and save lives of children like this. Why did they fall back? Why did they allow this monster 75 minutes, according to their own timeline, inside of these classrooms when they knew there were still kids and teachers alive in there. It's tough to talk about, but I think it's important to talk about. Because this is how we make sure that situations like this never happen again. Teacher walks outside, props the door open, Other teachers don't lock the doors inside. Was there a warning of of a lockdown? Was there a warning of the shooting going on? What occurred inside of that school that left those kids and those teachers completely undefended from a homicidal maniac madman? And when they should have been protected. When two minutes after he entered that school... There should have been police officers and there were police officers there in hot pursuit of him. How is it that they allowed him to lock himself in the door and they didn't do anything? We had officers calling in saying, this violates every bit of training we've had for the last 20 years. You go after that guy, you draw his attention bunch of officers called into Clay and Buck and they said, as long as you can keep moving, you keep moving. You shoot through uh, the door lock, you blow it off with the shotgun, whatever you've got in your possession, and you go in. We had a caller. He said, I would go in first and he may take me down, but the next guy coming after me might get him or the guy after that. And either way, you're taking that fire instead of those kids and those teachers. That's what you sign up for. And so this is important to figure out exactly what happened. And again, I'm not getting into guns. There are many discussions about this guy who is indisputably the primary cause of this, right? The mass shooter, the killer, is the number one person to blame. And I understand we end up in a blame factory and everybody else gets blamed for these things. But it is important to go back through all the protocol and find out why that door was open. Why those kids' classrooms weren't locked down. Why the police waited 75 minutes in order to go in and kill this guy. How does all of that happen? How does that failure occur? Why is there no lockdown warning? These are all important details that can help to prevent, in the event of another mentally insane murderer can help to prevent this from ever happening again. I think these facts matter. Not trying to argue with anybody politically. It's important to get a full accounting of how everybody failed. And I don't think there's any doubt that the police failed in this situation. Can never allow that to happen again. Somebody, there was a commanding officer in charge there who made a lot of these decisions that may well have cost lives. Not the conversation that any of us want to be having uh, on any day, uh, but here's where we are. Hey, Clay Travis here. We'll be right back. But first, here's a word. Getting ready to take on spring? Spring it's Memorial Day weekend. encourage you to go listen to the radio show today. Jack Carr, Navy SEAL sniper, Joey Jones, uh, former uh, soldier who lost his legs in Afghanistan. We had Governor Ron DeSantis on with us. Uh, and then we had a great story to finish the show. Nick Leo uh, called in to talk about his dad, grandfather, Nicholas Leo, who stormed the beaches in Normandy. I just want to talk about that for a moment here. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to do a show on Memorial Day because I'm not sure what the storylines or or details are going to be, maybe. Um, But I want all of you to think about Memorial Day for a moment. And I want to share a story with you. One of the greatest days of my lives, uh, one of the greatest days of my life, I don't think I'm going to have multiple lives. One of the greatest days of my life, uh, I got to spend on the beaches of Normandy in France. We had a tour guide, We spent the entire day with that tour guide driving around. The terrain is nearly identical to what it was in June of 1944, June 6, 1944, when we stormed the beaches. You can stand up on those heights still to this day. You can see the Nazi pillboxes. The guns are very often still inside of those pillboxes. You can look down, at the cliffs that American soldiers had to climb. And if you are fortunate enough to spend a day there like I was, it will be impossible for you to ever believe that America is anything other than the greatest force for freedom that has existed in the history of the world. Because you had 18, 19, and 20-year-old kids Stepping off into the surf on that June day into hails of gunfire fired by actual Nazis. Not Nazis who say things you disagree with on social media. Not Nazis who have different political opinions than you. Actual, real, flesh and blood Nazis with machine guns firing wildly, indiscriminately killing people left and right as they stepped off of those boats. And when you see those cliffs and when you see those beaches, it truly will become impossible for you not to stand in abject and unbelievable honor in front of all of those places where these men gave their lives. And if you go to the memorial grounds and you see all of those white headstones arrayed across this beautiful landscape and see all of those guys who gave their lives, you will be in disbelief over the staggering amount of bravery they showed. I want to tell you a story I think is emblematic of that bravery. A lot of the guys in the 101st Airborne trained as paratroopers. just want you to think about this as you go into your weekend. All of you have fantastic times with your friends and family. Just want you to think about this story. A lot of those paratroopers, a lot of those kids who signed up to jump out of airplanes and parachute into Europe to fight Nazis, the very first time they'd ever been in an airplane, they jumped out of it. just want you to think about that for a minute. I was talking with my dad recently, and he said, you know, your grandma and your grandpa Never, ever got on an airplane. I was named after Clay Travis, my grandfather. Grew up in Kentucky, Muhlenberg County, dirt poor. Worked in uh, coal mines. Ended up coming down to Nashville. Eighth grade education. Dropped out of school after that. Came down to Nashville. Ended up working in the DuPont plant in Old Hickory. Lived his entire life never gotten in an airplane. It was his generation. A lot of these kids had never been in airplanes before. Very first time they ever went up in an airplane, they jumped out of it and parachuted to the ground. No matter how old you are, I want you to think about that for a minute. If you can remember the first time you ever got on an airplane or the first time you were aware of getting on an airplane. For a lot of you kids, some of you probably can't even remember the first time you ever got on an airplane. But at some point, you probably looked out the window and you were probably a little bit scared about being in an airplane flying anywhere. Imagine if you had never been in an airplane before. You were 18 or 19 years old. You'd grown up on a farm. You suddenly are training to fight Nazis. And the very first time you go up in an airplane, you jump out of it. These men were and are, some of them are still alive, unbelievable heroes. And their bravery is truly staggering. I love that story, though. You've never been in an airplane before. You take off into the sky. And the very first time you've ever been in an airplane, you jump out of it with a parachute training to go overseas and fight the Nazis in Europe. Our soldiers are amazing. Their stories and their sacrifices are legion Just want you to think about that a little bit as you go into your weekend and maybe share it with your boys or your girls. Certainly give thanks for all the freedoms that we have every single day to live in the greatest country that has ever existed. And I hope that many of you will also have the opportunity one day to stand on those overlooks and stare down at the beaches of Normandy and realize what true bravery and heroism looks like. My name is Clay Travis. This has been Outkick the Show. I appreciate all of you and the time that you spend with me. And in the event that some of you are soldiers or the sons and daughters of soldiers or grandsons and granddaughters of soldiers, thank you for your service and thank you for your family's service. This has been OutKick, the show. Have phenomenal weekends.